If you will, bow your heads with me. Dear God, we come to you now at the uh, appointed time. And dear Lord, we just ask that you speak to us, dear Lord. Just talk directly to our hearts, our minds, our soul. Just allow us to hear the, the truth in your word and to accept it. And dear Lord, just allow us to go out and live it and let it flourish th as you flourish through us. People can feed off of the fruit of the spirits and let us be the light in a dark world as we reflect your light. And dear God, let us come together today in a way that is pleasing to you, thankful for your blessings, thankful for your sacrifice at Calvary, and let us put you at the center of everything we do. For in your name we pray, amen. Amen. I'm, I'm continuing um, foundational subjects today. Um, I'm dealing with a, a, a subject of comfort, and again, these, the, the premise of this sermon series is that uh, we have these foundational subjects, these, these things that we have formed beliefs, and, and we look to, and we, and we understand them, but sometimes through our living, and through failures, and through cynicism, or our pride, or our ego, things change. And um, through heartbreak or, or tragedy, sometimes things change and, and our sight can become clouded. Um, so it's, it's with that thought that, I'd that we have been taking some, some big words, you know, some common words, some, some things that we just take for granted, we understand them, and kind of reflect back on what the Bible actually teaches concerning these subjects. And sometimes, sometimes it can... It can be an eye-opener, like, man, I have really been, been jaded in that, in that area, and it's caused me to see things in a different realm, and I need to get back to the biblical view of what that means and, and apply that to my life. And, and this has been, a, this has been a, um, a sermon series that has spoken to me. Um, I tell you this all the time. I'm preaching to myself every week. You just get to watch it, all right? But um, my uh, grandpa Cecil... Had a, had a brother, his name was Lyndall Phelps, and he, Lyndall was a character, um, just, a, just a, uh, somebody, once you met him, you never forgot him, had a great smile, had a million dollar smile, um, just a great guy, and um, years ago, um, he, of course he grew up in the East St. Louis area, in the Metro East area up that way, and um, lived up there um, almost the majority of his life. And um, he came down and, and spent a week with, uh, with my grandparents and my, my dad and, and his brothers um, were going to go squirrel hunting. I guess it was in the fall when Lyndall came down. So they, came, they asked him if he wanted to go squirrel hunting with them, and he said, sure. And so they took him out squirrel hunting. They went to this area where they knew that they would have you know, a lot of squirrel and they put him kind of in the prime spot and told him to stay in this area. And then they'd come back and whistle and, and have him meet him outside the, the woods. So they, they sent him in and everybody went to their little section of the, of the woods. And they, after an hour or so or however long they hunted, they came back and everybody was showing off their, you know, their, uh, their goods from the hunt. And uh, they looked at Lyndall and he said, I never saw a squirrel. 
And it said, uh, how in the world did you not see a squirrel? He said, I, di I didn't see one squirrel there. He said, man, he goes, um, I think as my Uncle Dave um, said, man, he said, uh, I was looking over, over at you, and he goes, there were, uh, there were six or seven just all over those trees. And he goes, wait. He goes, you mean the squirrels are up in the trees? Because when he was at the park in the city, the squirrels are always on the ground. So he didn't know that they climbed up in the tree. So his whole squirrel hunt, he had been looking on the ground. And the squirrels were just having a good time up around his head. And he never even knew they were up there. And so the point of my story, the reason why I'm telling you this story, is that sometimes in life, we think we know what we're looking for, and we think we know where to look for that. But in all honesty, sometimes we're looking in the wrong spot. And I'm going to talk to you today about this word comfort. And uh, comfort has a, a it's got, a, of course, a definition. It's a, it's a state of physical ease or freedom from pain or constraint, okay? Um, to provide somebody comfort in distress or to provide somebody comfort in a trying time. Um, also, it's the uh, easing or uh, alleviation of hard feelings or bad feelings in somebody during grief or distress or through trials. And, and through tough times, and when people are, are uh, a lot of times, you know, we pray for comfort for people who are grieving. We pray for comfort in people who are in a debilitating state or have a, 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 you know, a nagging disease that hits them every day. We pray for comfort for people who are going through a tough time. And um, we have kind of taken this word comfort, and it's kind of like, we have made it a, a, an emotion, um, a, a, an emotion that is conditional, and it's a thing that comes and goes, and uh, it's uh, temporary, you know, like sometimes, uh, you know, it takes, you ever like tried to get your uh, comfortable in bed, and then it's like you almost get comfortable in bed, and then you feel like the, the seam of the sheet hits your foot or something, and that just kind of drives you crazy. So, you know, sometimes we're just constantly searching, and in this world that seems like there's a lot of pain, and a lot of anger, and there are a lot of heartbreak, and a lot of broken hearts, and broken relationships, and uh, people are maybe not treating each other the way that they should, um, there is this seeking of comfort and I think what is happening is that we, as a people, and especially inside the church, have started to look for our comfort in other ways and in, in other places to where if you do find comfort, that comfort's going to be temporary and it's not going to fulfill the ease and the, and the alleviation that you need in the way that you need it. And the Bible's pretty clear about comfort, and the Bible teaches about comfort. And there is a doctrine of comfort, and then there is the application of comfort, and it's found in the Bible. So today's going to be a pretty straightforward, um, you know, a pretty straightforward sermon. And the doctrine of comfort is found in Second Corinthians. In the first chapter, right off the bat, in the third verse, he tells us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord in Jesus Christ. Okay? So, 
right off the bat, here's what we need to understand, is that Paul is putting a stamp, and he is starting with the platform that Jesus Christ is not only our Lord, okay, which brings in all the, the teachings that he gave us, um, all the guidance that he gave us, but it also reflects him as our Savior. So he is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and he is the, also God the Son, a part of the Trinity. So we have God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, all right? The Father of mercies and God, and here's the word, of all comfort. So here is the baseline, and here is where this doctrine is built off of, is that there is a God who is three in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this God is the God of all comfort. There's no other source to look through or for or try. God is the, he is the Father of all mercies and he is the God of all comfort. Now the Bible says that pretty clearly. All right? And then it goes on and says, who comforts us in all our tribulation. So not only is he the, is he the God, the creator, God the creator, he is God of all comfort, but he will be there to comfort us through all of our tribulation. So he's not only telling you that he is the God that is the creator of all comfort, but he also adds a promise that he will be there for you in all of your tribulation. Amen. You should be saying amen in your head or at home, okay? Wonderful doctrine right here. Okay, and then it says that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. Now we are talking about the ministry of the church. So now he brings in, into the doctrine of comfort, the church. And what is our responsibility here as Christians? And I can't say this any more clearly than I'm going to say it right now, is that it is the job of the church to provide love and comfort that comes directly from God through Jesus Christ. That is our job. And the ways that we figure out how to do that and to attack the trials and tribulations and the burdens that surround us is our ministries. That's it, okay? So any other kind of work that we think the church should be doing, it is deviating us from our true mission. And the reason why people are hurting so bad and the reason why we as Christians maybe are not being felt or filled with the right kind of comfort right now is that we as Christians maybe have gotten, have gotten misguided off of our job, of what we're supposed to do, and maybe we're not looking at the true source for our comfort, therefore we cannot be Jesus Christ's agents on earth as he lives through us, and God provides the comfort through Jesus Christ who brings it to us that we may provide it to those around us. That's what we're here to do. 
And with the comfort, and when I'm going on back to 2 Corinthians, and with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So here is the understanding, is that we receive our comfort from God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is our job to provide comfort to those around us as Jesus Christ lives through us and provides the comfort for us. It's kind of like if you're, if you're willing to accept Jesus Christ's grace and forgiveness, you are obligated, that's the Bible says, you are obligated to forgive those around you. Because if you can't forgive those around you, it is a statement of your heart whether or not you have truly received and accepted the grace and the humility that it takes to receive that, that grace. From, from Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Because, because sometimes, sometimes in our lives, we get prideful. And here, here is and, and here's one thing, you know, I'll get in trouble, whatever, okay, send me a text, whatever. But, here, but here's the deal, okay? Sometimes the longer you're a Christian, you start to produce a pride in your Christian walk. All right? And then that can come off, and that can be a negative infliction on those who are looking to us for grace, mercy, and comfort. And it's our job to provide comfort to those around us because we're receiving comfort from the God of all comfort through Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right. And then it says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, all right, so when we suffer... Our sufferings are not our own. They are the sufferings of Jesus Christ because He has gone to the cross and He has borne all of our sufferings. We are healed through His sufferings, through His stripes we are healed. So our consolation is that our comfort, our peace, our mercy comes through Christ. That is the doctrine of comfort. All right? So here's the bottom line. We as Christians have a direct connection to God, the God of all comfort. Why would we look for comfort anywhere else in this world when it comes to us from the Father of all mercies and of all comfort? God. And that comes to us through Jesus Christ, God the Son, and it is given to us and provided to us, and therefore it is our obligation to provide it to those who are around us. That is the doctrine of comfort. It, and when we are, are persecuted and when we are hurt, we give that to Jesus Christ, who in response gives us comfort. And that is the same way that we are to treat our fellow man, is that when they are in their trials and tribulations, we are there to provide comfort to them because that's what Jesus Christ does to us, the doctrine of comfort. All right? So here is the actual, this is the application and how this works. All right? In the Bible and in the original translation, there's this word that is used 
It's, it's, it's used mostly in, in, the, in the New Testament. Paul uses it a lot, or I'm sorry, John uses it. He uses it in his gospel, and then he uses it in one of his letters. He uses this word called paraclete, all right? And if you look at the actual definition of paraclete, it is an, it is an advocate, an intercessor, or a comforter. And then if you put paraclete into a verb, it is someone who has come to be right beside you, okay? And so, who is the paraclete? Well, in John 14, this is a kind of an amazing chapter, John 14. So, so just, just for my sake, and, and I say it as your pastor, when you open up John 14, you get that amazing thing, let not your hearts be troubled, because I will go away, you know, I'm going away. I'm, I'm going away with a purpose. And the reason why I go away is that I am preparing a mansion in heaven for each and every one of you. And if I go away, if I go away, it is for a purpose that I will prepare a place for you. And then the promise is that I'm coming back at some point in time to take all of you back to live with me forever. And then one of the disciples says, you know, like, uh, who, uh, where are you going and how do we get there? And he says, I am the way. I'm the only way, the truth, the life. And, and the only way you get to the Father is through me. And he says, well, show us the Father. And he tells them, and he reiterates the, the Trinity here. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. And that is what he's saying is that Jesus Christ is 100% God. Even when he was 100% covered in man, he is still 100% God. Now, he gave up. He, he, didn't, he didn't muscle up his rights. He allowed himself to be killed, to be crucified on the cross. But actually, he was still God, even at that point. And so... Then he says, I will not leave you like orphans, though. Here is the promise. And now here is where the, the application of that doctrine of comfort comes in. This is, this is the application. This is the science. This is the theology. This is what is happening for comfort, okay? So in John 14, we're going to be at the 15, 16 verses here. It says, and I pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Sometimes it's referred to as a comforter or, you know, an intercessor, and that he may abide with you forever. Now, underneath it, underneath it, in, in my slide here, I am showing you the amplified version. And the amplified version is what I study and what I my personal Bible that I read is the Amplified Version. Okay, I preach from the New King James Version, but the Amplified Version is what I study and read. And, uh, it, and just so you know, it, there's a lot of words in there, so it can kind of drive you crazy to read it, all right? And it says there, the same verse, it says, and I will ask the Father, and it will give you another helper. And then it puts into context what is meant by the word helper. It says, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, and standby. He is sending us the great comforter, the paraclete. 
and he will be with us forever. Okay? And this is Jesus Christ talking, that he will be with us forever. Well, how does that happen? When he tells us he's going away, all right, he is sending us the spirit of truth. And what we refer to the spirit as truth, we call that God the Spirit, the third part of the Holy Trinity, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you know. Because as soon as, now this is a, now this is a doctrinal, it, this, is a, this is where our doctrine is solid and different. And this is the, this is the biblical application of our doctrine here at this church, okay? And, and, because it's different elsewhere. But here's, the, here's our belief, is the second that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you say that he is, he is your propitiation, your sacrifice at Calvary, then the second that you believe that and you accept that as the payment of the debt of your sin, then the second that you receive uh, salvation, the very second you receive the Holy Spirit who will dwell in you and will be with you forever. That very second. Now, we don't believe that sometime down the road it's going to happen to you and it's, going to, and it's going to hit you and then you're going to show a bunch of evidence of that. We believe that it happens right then, that you're changed and you receive the spirit of the truth, all right? Because then you are regenerated and made a Christian, a new life. So when that happens, it happens at the very second that you become a Christian and you receive the spirit of truth. And then it is our job to build a relationship with the spirit of truth, with the Holy Spirit, because he is our intercessor. He is our comforter. He does guide us and give us direction. And here is the application here, is that Jesus said that if you saw him, you saw God, the Father, and, if, and the God the Father was in Jesus, and Jesus was in God the Father. So what we understand is that once we become a Christian, that the, Jesus will send the Holy Spirit to live inside of us, and he will be our comforter, he will be our counselor, he will uplift us, he will chasten us, he will direct us, he will tell us when we're doing wrong, he will be there, and he is providing all the comfort that you could ever need, but he never speaks his own words. He speaks the words of Jesus Christ, who is always operating in the will of God the Father, and God the Father always elevates and glorifies Jesus Christ, who is always in the will of God the Father to glorify God the Father. That is the perfect harmony of the Holy Trinity. And it says there that a little while longer and the world will, will see me no more because he's going away. He's already said that. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. Because we will never die. If you if it, like, close your eyes, once you become a Christian, you close your eyes in this world, then the very second you close your eyes in this world in death, you open your eyes in heaven the very next millisecond. It says, but because I live, you also live, and that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And there is where we are receiving the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and living inside of us is God the Spirit. And it says that he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. So here is the 
here's the, the kind of the basis of, of how this process is built on, okay? And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him, all right? Here is, here's the basis. Here's, here's what I believe is my personal calling, and that is to preach love. I believe that's what I've been called to do is to preach love. And here is what he is saying is that this whole, tra- this whole transformation, this regeneration that is happening, when the Holy Spirit is being brought into us, the whole process, everything that God does through sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on Resurrection Day, everything that He ever does, when He provides us comfort, when He tells us, hey, you shouldn't do that, when He edifies us, everything that God does He does, and he is fueled by love, because God is love. And what Jesus Christ is saying here is that you are going to receive me in the form of the Holy Spirit. So we get God the Spirit that lives inside of of us when we become a Christian, okay? And it is that day that that we understand that God is three in one, and that the Holy Spirit is now living inside of us, And now we can feel God in all forms. We can hear the words of Jesus Christ, who is always operating in the will of God the Father. And now we understand, and if we we build on that, then we will become more mature Christians as we move on down the line. But here's the thing, is that, you know, we act in a different way, we operate in a different way, and we see things in a different way because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us. And all of that is fueled by love. And it says there that our actions should show and prove that we love God. So our actions should prove to people out who are burdened and in trials and tribulations, we should treat them with love. And we should show them love, true Christian love. And that is because everything that God does is built and done for love. He sent his son to die for us because he loved us. Even when we recovered in our, covered up in our sins, he loved us. We have the ability to love because he loved us first. And this is a perfect comfort. The things I have spoken to you while being present with you, the helper, the Holy Spirit, and this is where I, where I build that, the, the, the perfection of the Holy Trinity, the perfect harmony, and it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, this is Jesus Christ, um, so Jesus Christ prays to God and says, now is the time to send the Holy Spirit, so God the Father will send it through Jesus Christ because that's who we accept, that's who we claim as our sacrifice, that's who we claim that paid the debt of our sins. It's all brought through Jesus Christ. And God sends the Holy Spirit, the gift of God, the God the Holy Spirit, in whom the Father will send in Jesus Christ's name, and he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance everything that I said. There it is. He does not say his own words. He does not act on his own. He is acting and saying the words of Jesus Christ, who is always operating in the perfect will of God the Father. It's the perfect harmony of the Holy Trinity. It is perfect 
comfort because there is never error with God. He is never wrong because it's always built on perfect love. And true comfort can only come from perfect love. So when we are looking for comfort in all these other areas, through social media or through friendships or, or through any kind of addiction or any other kind of other way that you, that you think about things and, and, and we self-destruct, just remember that perfect comfort comes from God because it is built on perfect love. And in order to receive love, there has to be, uh, in order to receive comfort, it has to be built on love. Perfect comfort comes from perfect love. That's why so many times our comfort that we receive is temporary. It's false. It, it, it only stays a little bit with us. If we are capable of receiving this kind of perfect comfort, then it will provide us with the comfort that will remain with us even in the trials and tribulations. And it says there that peace, comfort, I leave with you. I, my peace I give to you. It's not, and, and this, is the, this is the differentiation. He says, you know, you can get some comfort, you can get some peace out in the world, but it's not going to be the same that you get from me. It's going to be temporary. It could even be false. Sometimes people give you false comfort. Sometimes people give you false love. Sometimes people lie to you, believe it or not, and treat you wrong. If that, you know, I don't know if that's ever happened to you or not. But he says... Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And the reason why is because Jesus Christ has conquered the world. And he did that through love. So, this morning, the word comfort can be found in one place. God. God is, he is the source of all comfort. And Jesus Christ is extremely, he is extremely plain. It's plainly written. He was speaking very plainly when he said that if you see me, you see God. There's only one way to get to the Father, and that is through me. And he says that God is the God of all mercies, all comfort, and will be there in all of our trials and tribulations. It is the law, it is the doctrine, it is the promise of comfort. All other comfort is temporary. All other comfort is, um, you know, false. It, it's, it's not genuine. It's not true. The only place to find true comfort is through Jesus Christ. And the way that we experience that is the Holy Spirit, the paraclete that is living inside of us. And it is our job to nourish that relationship with the Holy Spirit so that in our times of trials and tribulations, we can receive the comfort that has been promised to us and then in the times of trials and tribulations of our neighbors and those who need us, we can provide them with the comfort because God blessed us with the comfort and therefore it is our duty, our obligation and mission as a church to provide comfort 
to those around us. So we come to the Lord in prayer for a lot of reasons. And I know this world needs some comfort right now. There are a lot of things happening. Anymore, it's hard to tell what's the truth and what's not the truth. But I can point you to an absolute truth. And that is that Jesus Christ is the source of salvation. And with that salvation comes the source of true comfort. And sometimes as Christians, we get off the tracks. We get turned on down the wrong road. We get down a rabbit hole. We get covered up with our pride. And we get misguided on our ministries and our obligations here. But we are to be people of love, mercy, and comfort, and prayer. So we go to the Lord in prayer for a lot of reasons. And if you need true comfort today, I need you to bow your head right now and just ask the Lord, say, allow me to get past myself, get past my pride, get past my issues. I lay it down at your feet, dear Lord. My burdens just provide me the comfort that you have promised me. If you're dealing with sickness, just go to the Lord and he will provide you comfort. Sometimes he heals in his way and it's for us to understand. And when we are in the will of God, there's comfort in every kind of way that he heals. And if you're physically or if you're spiritually, emotionally suffering, just lay at the feet the burdens of, of, that you have at the feet of Jesus Christ and say, just give me the comfort. Just remind me the glory of my salvation. And if you have never met Jesus Christ as your Savior and you feel led today to accept his sacrifice at Calvary for the payment of your sin and become a Christian, I want you to bow your head right now and repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I come to you now and I confess with my mouth that I am a sinner, and I am in need of a Savior, and I accept your sacrifice as Calvary, at Calvary as the payment of my sin. And dear Lord, I accept you as my Savior. I invite you to live in my heart forever. And dear Lord, I do this because I believe that you are God, and you died on the cross for me. And I accept that, and I receive you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Star Church's sermon. We truly hope that the sermon edified you today and brought you closer to the Lord. For more information about Star Church, visit our website at stargbchurch.com. Once again, that's stargbchurch.com. If you would like to visit our church, our address is 4925 State Road, 142 North, El Dorado, Illinois, 62930. We now pray that God will bless you as you enter the mission field and bring his word to the world. And as always, we will see you next time here at Star Church. Star Church.